Amen. I can't think of a better person to speak about tonight than the first uh, Sunday of December than my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so tonight, if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read uh, most of that chapter, but uh, once you find Ephesians chapter, I just want to, while you're turning there, I, I want to express my deepest appreciation to Brother Eric and Brother Jeremy and Brother Garrett for extending the invitation for me uh, to speak at our home church. I mean, it's a, it's a real big special deal when you get to speak in front of your people, and you are my people now. I, I go to church in Monroe at Lakeshore Baptist Church when I'm working there on the weekends that I don't get to come home, but uh, this will be our church uh, until the day I die, so I appreciate that. But uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's read in, in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul wrote, he said, and, and you he made alive. And I, I want you to know this is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture, because if you'll notice a lot of these verses that we are going to read is written in the past tense as though they had already happened. And, and actually God's word is written in a, is what is called in the Greek language an aorist perfect tense. A lot of it's written in that way and that means that it is as good to happen as if it would have happened a thousand years ago. And so God writes a lot of this, and you'll see a lot of these words that, that are in the past tense. Like in this very first verse, he said, He made, that's past tense, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, that's two of my most favorite words in the Bible, but God, or but now, and we'll see a but now in a few, in a few moments. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, here it is again, made, made us alive, Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised, raised, past tense again, he's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who were near. For through him we have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the, the promises. We thank you for our future, which is all embedded in the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross of Calvary. It's embedded in the love that you have for us. It's embedded in the grace that you extend to us. It's embedded in the mercy that you show us each and every day of our lives. And Lord God, we thank you. We ask, Lord God, that you'd be glorified uh, tonight through, uh, as we study a, a portion of your word to see, Lord God, who you are and how you should affect our lives. We ask all of this in Jesus Christ for his honor and glory. Amen. For hundreds of years before Christ was born, and unfortunately for several hundred years after he left this world, slavery was a business in our world. It was a, a, a common, everyday occurrence for people to be bought and sold as slaves. And so Jesus, when he walked here on this earth, he knew what slavery was about. He knew how it impacted those that were slaves. If you go back to some of the words that are written in Scripture, it talks about being a, a bond slave. Now, a, a bond slave was one in the Old Testament that had been bought, and in that time, they were able to serve their masters for seven years, and at the end of that seventh year, they were to be set free. However, if, if I was that person, and I liked my master, if I liked where I lived, if I liked what I did, if my master treated me good, and I wanted to, I could be his slave forever. And to, to be that, I would go get a hammer and a punch or an awl, and I would take it to my master, and he and I together would go to a doorway. And, and I would back up, and I would place my earlobe on that doorway, and my master would take that punch and that hammer, and he would drive that punch through my ear that left a hole in it. Now, you ladies do that all the time, but I'm going to tell you, I'm a chicken. I am a chicken. But if I wanted to be his bond slave, and that's what it meant, I was freely giving myself to him. And so from then on, when people that I would meet on the street or at Walmart, they would know that I was the bond slave of my master, that I had freely given myself to him. And I think that's what Jesus desires of us in our day and age too, not to punch a hole in our ear, but he wants to touch us in our hearts where it really makes a big difference. But Jesus knew what slavery was about. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, he says, 
but the will of him who sent me. Now, the, the Merriam-Webster Collegiate Dictionary defines a slave as a person who is completely, completely subservient to a dominating influence. The same dictionary defines the word serve as to give the service and respect due and to comply with the commands or demands of a master. And that same dictionary also defines the word servant as one who serves others. Now Jesus is the Son of God, but He's also the Sovereign God. He's the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Redeemer of everything that He has made. <clears throat> and yet, He came into this earth to fulfill the very need that we had of Him being a slave unto death. <clears throat> and so, the, the message of my, the title of my message tonight is The Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at four points in a few moments about why lordship should be part of our life. Because although the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is our sovereign, our superior, our master, our creator, our sustainer, most of the world does not see him in that light. Um, most Christian mathematicians figure that the best possibility, I mean the very best, throughout all the world, perhaps 10% of them are saved. I mean, think about all those millions of people that have lived from the time of Christ and even before then that have passed on. Think about those, I think it's 7 billion people that live in our world today, minus the ones that have died from COVID over the last couple of years and other diseases, but for only 10% of the population of the world to know Christ as their Savior, and yet Jesus came just for that, just for that. As a matter of fact, in my opinion and opinion of others, a lot of the people in the churches that make up the church do not give Jesus Christ full lordship over their lives. They we want to hang on to things, in other words. We might want to hang on to our checkbook and say, you know, Jesus, you can have, you can have this part of my life, but no, wait a minute, that checkbook belongs to me. Or they might say, you know, Jesus, uh, you can have my checkbook, but wait a minute, during hunting season, Sunday morning is my time. Or, or when the white perch are biting, that, that Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, I may want to go fishing. I, I don't still want to give you that part of my life during that time. I, I'll give you whatever else. And Maybe when all of that's over, I can fit back in somewhere else. But we're like that as human beings. And so we don't give Jesus everything that he desires for us to give him. And you might be thinking, well, Brother Vail, that's an awful harsh statement for you to be making. I'm not condemning any one of those. Jesus is the one that brought it to my attention. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples here of who, I mean, if, if we're going to be a member of a church, we ought to be a disciple of Christ, right? Well, he says here, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, there might be several reasons that we don't want to give 
Jesus' lordship over our lives. But I think the biggest one is that we're sinners. That's what it all boils down to, is that although we may be saved, and we're still sinners. I'll stand before you this morning and this afternoon both and confess to you that I want you to know, never put Lavelle Spillers on a pedestal because I am a sinner. I'm no different from that guy that ran through the crowd up there with his car except that I've been saved by grace. But I'm still a sinner. And without Jesus Christ in my life, I might have been that guy that ran that, his car through that crowd and killed those people. But Jesus wants to be Lord of our lives. And we believe that not necessarily Jesus should have that right. Even the words that are used, and I know Brother Tim mentioned this morning that he loves to do word studies, and, and I do too. I love to pick out words and look at them and see what they mean and study them in the original text because after they have been translated over into English, we lose so much of the context of that word that was translated. But if we look in the New Testament, the word Savior, when it refers to Jesus, is used 24 times. We might think, wow, that's a lot. I mean, it, it must be really important that Jesus be our Savior. And it is. Don't ever take that lightly. It's, that's the very first step that he wants us to do is to let him be our Savior. But then he wants, a little, he wants to take little steps and, and stones and, and, and build us up even more because the word master in the New Testament that refers to Jesus Christ is used 56 times, more than twice the Savior word. But here's where it gets interesting. The word Lord that refers to Jesus Christ as used in the New Testament is used 521 times. That tells me that God, He wants to be our Savior, but He wants to take us to another level to be where He's our Master but then he really wants to take us to that next level where he is our Lord, where he is our king, in other words, that we talked about this morning that we need in America so desperately. And so I want to talk quickly tonight, and I, I apologize if I ran over this morning. Sometimes I get excited. I forget about clocks and, and green dots and everything else I'm supposed to be looking at, but I, I promise I'll try to be more respective of your time tonight. I'll try to stick to my text. First of all, lordship is deserved by Jesus Christ. He deserves to be our Lord because of what he has accomplished for us. Do you realize, and I know I'm, I'm sort of like preaching to the choir tonight, but there may be some of you folks out there live stream that are not here that you may, need, you may not even be a member of our church or any church. And if you're not, I hope that this gets to you tonight because Jesus gave his life for us. He died for us so that our sins could be forgiven. And not just our sins be forgiven, but that we could have a relationship with His Father through Him. And, and <clears throat> I love the fact that it tells us that He even gave us the faith that we need to accept that. He said, you know, I'm going to give you everything. Not only am I going to die for you, but I'm going to give you the faith that you need to accept that part. So that you can be with me forever. So he, 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 is, he deserves to be that. 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, He, <clears throat> referring to Christ, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. You catch that again? That's another verse that's past tense. He has delivered us. He's already seen it, folks. If you're saved here tonight, Christ has already seen you in heaven. He has seen you sitting there or worshiping Him in heaven. He's, he's delivered us. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39 says, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sin, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, I hope I can kind of put this into perspective for us tonight, exactly what Christ did for us when he came to this earth, when he was born into this world, the time of that we're celebrating his birth even now. We need to be reminded of this. You see, we were born into this world sin-free. Now, we were born with that sin nature within us, but without sin. But at some point in time in our life, we chose to sin. I don't know exactly when it was, but at some point in my life, I chose to tell a lie to my mom and daddy about what I'd been doing. I mean, I probably was a little boy. I remember my, my grandson one time, he was a little feller, and we were playing in the house. That he and uh, his older sister were there, and, and they, they were playing around something, and, and so I can't even remember exactly what it was, but it got broke. And, and I watched Peyton break it, and I said, Peyton, why did you break that? He looked at me square in the face and said, Kaylee Grace did it. <laughs> and I mean, I had watched him do it. I knew whether he had done it, but, you know, he chose to, like, he, like I did, like Papa did, he, ch he chose to tell a story at some point in his life. And there, there, there's our sin opened up to everything else from then on. And so we needed someone to save us of that because if we're a sinner, the Bible is clear on that, we deserve to go to hell. It's just plain and simple. And so we needed Jesus to come into this world and take care of that for us. And so let me tell you what Jesus did for us. As he sat on his throne in heaven, he looked down upon us and he had mercy on us before we were ever born. It says before the foundation of the world. He knew that Olavelle Spillers was going to be born in 1957. And he knew I was going to be a sinner. And he knew that he was going to come into this world and die for me. Guess what? He, he did for you too. He knew that. And yet he did it anyway. He, I can't imagine what the splendor of heaven is. But Christ left that for you and for me. He left that. Jesus allowed. Jesus chose to allow the, the, the priests and the officials of Israel to arrest him. He chose to allow them to have a mockery of a trial. He chose to let them take him to the Roman soldiers and to, to Pilate so that death sentence could be passed down upon him. He, he, chose, he chose to carry that old rugged cross through the streets of Bethlehem and, and up that road going to Calvary. He chose to climb upon that cross and let those soldiers, who represent, by the way, I'd never looked at, looked at it quite like this until a few years ago when, boy, it was like a 
you know, light bulb, Brother Eric, coming on your head. Wow, that finally clicks. He chose to let those Roman soldiers, who, by the way, represent me, to drive those nails in his hands and his feet. The very hands that created the world. The very hands that mold us and make us. The very hands that hold the stars and the moons and the planets and the suns and the stars out in heaven. And the feet that led him all of the way from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Do you realize this? Jesus never took a single step that he did not know where he was headed. He was fully man, but he was also fully God. And let me tell you, every time he put a foot in front of himself, from the time that he was born until the time that he died on the cross of Calvary, he knew where those two feet were going to take him. And yet, he allowed those soldiers to drive those nails through his feet. Jesus chose to allow those soldiers to spit on him and to mock him and to whip him with a cat of nine tails. I read a, a book that was written by a coroner, one time a Christian coroner, and he had done some, let's just say, experiments on bodies. He had permission to do this, and he built what he, would, what he thought might resemble a cat of nine tails that those Roman soldiers would have used. And he said that by the time he got through with 39 stripes, that you could literally reach your hand into the cavity of that person's body. And so, folks, Jesus went through a lot for us. It wasn't just some little old switching with a peach switch that he got a hold of. It wasn't a belt or a, or a leather strap that got a hold of him. Man, it was a deadly weapon that was in the hands of a deadly man that was whipping on him. And he was left probably almost unrecognizable. And yet he did that for us. Jesus chose to allow my sins and your sins and the sins of the entire world to be placed upon his shoulders as he hung upon the cross of Calvary so that the clouds would come over and the day would darken like never before and his father for the very first time would have to turn away from him. Not because of anything he had done, but because of what I had done. Boy, it just, it breaks my heart. But I love him so much for taking care of that need that I had. That's how much he loved us, folks. That's what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. And despite all of those things that he went through, as I mentioned this morning, I think Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus did it for the joy that was set before him. And I, I can't imagine the things that he went through and he might count it as joy, but it tells me there that I bring him joy and you bring him joy and all the other Christians around the world bring him joy. And what's even better is that he's coming back one day to get us, to take us to be there with him. We read that in Ephesians chapter 2 a while ago that he's coming back someday and he's going to gather us up and He's going to take us to be there with him forever because he loved us. And yet, many times if we're honest with ourselves, we choose not to do the very best that we could do for him. Secondly, lordship is demanded. Lordship is demanded. It's not only deserved, but it's demanded because of what he did. 
as our creator, as our sustainer, as our redeemer, as our savior, as our master and our Lord. Jesus has certain rights. Now, I don't want to belittle Jesus in any way whatsoever. I hold him to the highest esteem. I, I, I regard him as everything in my world. But Jesus, in a way, is our commander-in-chief. And he has the right to give us orders. He has the right to tell us what to do. The, the things that go on in Scripture like that are known as commandments. And, folks, there are not just ten commandments in the Bible, okay? There are commandments scattered throughout Scripture. One of them says in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a commandment from our Savior. If you love me, keep my commandments. And here are three examples of the way Jesus demanded or commanded lordship. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, he didn't say when the weather was perfect, you can do it. He didn't say when everything in your life is just rocking along and going great, you can do it. He said daily. Every day he expects that from us. Romans chapter 7 verse 6 says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to, died to what we were held by, so that we should serve, we should serve, he says, in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So if we've been delivered, Jesus says, you need to be serving me somewhere, somehow. I, and I was talking to Brother Eric last night as Diane came up to practice her song for this morning, and he was bragging on our church and about the people here that just step up and serve. I'm glad to be a part of that. I am. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, said Jesus, or Paul wrote, he said, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And so we are. Jesus says, his word, of course, Paul may have penned Romans, but the Holy Spirit was leading him and guiding him, and that is the the, the breath of God breathed those words into existence by the Holy Spirit through Paul. And so those are God's words also. He tells us we need to be serving him. So Jesus says that lordship is not only deserved, but it's demanded. Thirdly, the lordship will be displayed. I, I believe that. If we have truly accepted Jesus as our Savior, not just our Savior, but we have also taken those next steps and allow Him to be our Master and our Lord, then we will serve Him. We will do those things. You know, when Jesus says go, we'll go. When Jesus says give, we'll give. When Jesus says teach this Sunday school class, we'll teach this Sunday school class. I, I remember I was so convicted one year. Matter of fact, it was 2013. I was so convicted that I was supposed to go to a little country in Africa called Malawi. And I shared that with the, the church leaders at my church at that time. And they told me, this was in September, they said, no, you can't go to Malawi. And this is the way they put it. We didn't hire you to go overseas and be a missionary. 
we hired you to be here with us. I'm going to tell you, after that meeting, I was devastated because I knew I was supposed to go, but I cowered down to them. But in December, the first week of December, three things happened that same week that showed me beyond a shadow of a doubt that even if I lost that church, and I eventually did, but even if I lost that church, I was going to do what God wanted me to do. One, my Sunday school teacher there, Brother Tim, you'll like this. My Sunday school teacher there called me and said, Brother Bell, God told me I'm supposed to go to Africa with you. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, secondly, God told me to give my trailer to your mission organization, Open Door Missions, and that it's worth about $5,000 because I didn't have the money to go at that time either. He said, your mission board is supposed to give you the money you need to go to Africa this year because I'm making this donation to them. I presented that to them. They said, okay, third thing, no one else. We had a pastor's gathering once a month. We had lunch, and then we had a speaker, and no one in that group knew what I was facing. No one knew what I was going through at that time of the, of, of the battle I was fighting about whether to go or whether to stay, what to do. But that, that pastor that morning that got up in front of us, he told, me, he told all of us this. He said, you're shepherds of your flock. When you set out to, when God tells you to go somewhere, you're supposed to set out and go in that direction. And he said, when you look back and see your sheep that are not following you, he said, turn around and keep going. <laughs> oh boy, that hit me between the eyes. And so I went back and I told our deacons at the time, I said, look, guys, I know y'all don't want me to go to Africa, but I know I'm supposed to go, and if I don't go, I'm going to get a whipping. And so I went. God told me to go, and so I went. That's way, that's just, and I'm not bragging about myself. I'm bragging about what God did to confirm that I was supposed to go. The way he worked things out. You know why? Because he bought us. He paid for me. Not just the, the blood of a lamb. Not just the blood of a, a goat or a bull or a dove. Not just the blood of any man. I mean, the blood of the Son of God, the blood of God Himself was spilt on this earth, dripped off of His feet that I had driven a nail through and splattered on the rocks below Him so that I, a sinner, could be saved. He deserves, He demands my Lordship. I'm going to share a verse with you. It hit me so much between the eyes, I put it right here on the front of my little book. Let me read it to you. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're to glorify Him. We're to display in our lives that He is Lord over us. That no man will tell us what we should or shouldn't do as long as it doesn't go against the word of God, we're to follow him obediently. And then lastly, and I know I'm still running a little bit longer than Brother Jeremy usually does, but I'm going to close out very quickly with this. And I love this part of it too. Lordship will be rewarded. It will be. You know, my, my doctorate is in prophecy. And I'm going to tell you, my doctorate was hard work. I had to 
go through all of the way through. I mean, I have to read every verse in every book throughout the, the Old Testament and the New Testament looking for prophetic verses and promises that God has made us. And as I did that, my faith grew by leaps and bounds. I believe every promise that God has ever given us. You know why? Because all of the promises that He has made up to today have been fulfilled. There are still some promises that are left to come, but that will be after the church is raptured out. There's no prophecy, as far as I can tell, that has to happen before the Lord Jesus steps out on the cloud and calls His church home. Now, there's a lot of prophecies that's going to take place after that as He deals with the nation of Israel again and gets them all squared away before eternity begins. But every promise has been fulfilled. And because of that, because I know He's faithful in keeping His promises up to now, I can look into the future as we've talked about these verses, many of them being written in the past tense that God has already seen it. I can look into the future and know. I don't have to think or wonder or ponder over it. I don't have to dig through somebody's uh, uh, book that they wrote on what they think the Bible says. I can know that the promises that God has waiting for us are going to come about. And this is one of the promises as we close with this. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, listen to this now. Jesus said, where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Wow, what a promise that Jesus has made us. And we can know, we can know that it's going to come true if Jesus is our Savior. What about you tonight? What about you tonight? Have you declared Jesus to be your Savior? And if you have, have you allowed him to take you to those next levels? Of being, letting him being your master and then letting him be your Lord, your king over your life. Have you taken those steps that he wants us to take? Not only does he want them, but as I said, he deserves it. He demands it. And it will be displayed in our life. And it will be rewarded someday. Lord, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the song that Diane sang this morning that reminded us that when we gather together in your house, that we're in the presence of Jehovah. Lord, it, it doesn't matter if, if all the kings on the earth were here in our midst. It wouldn't matter if every president that has ever served the United States of America could come back and be here in our midst. If you're not here with us, then we're meeting in vain. And we thank you, Lord God, that your promise says where two or three are gathered in my name, that you're there with us. And so I thank you for today. I thank you for every day. I thank you for the blessings, for the promises, Lord God, that you've given us. I thank you that you're going to come back one day and fulfill those promises that are still yet to come. Lord, we love you. We ask this week that you'd be with us, that you'd be with those that are in need, those that have lost loved ones. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you'd plan our steps for us this week. And, and Lord, help us to recognize those opportunities. And I pray, Lord God, tonight 
that every one of us in this building, that everyone that's lifting, listening by live stream, that you would give us an opportunity this week to share your gospel with a person that don't know you. And then, Lord, it's up to you. It's up to you and them to get everything worked out. But help us to share your gospel with them this week. Lord, I thank you for this church and what it means to this community. I thank you for the leadership that we have here. And I, I pray your blessings upon them and upon their families. And Lord, I pray your blessings upon this church. That you, that you would just continue to lead us in the right direction. You'd continue to draw us into those things that where we can make a difference in this world where people can see your, your love for them. That we, we can be your hands and your feet, Lord, in this community throughout this state, throughout this country, and even throughout the world. Lord, just glorify yourself through us and forgive us, Lord, of the times and ways that, Lord, I may fail you this week. I'm, I'm just a, a sinful human being, and I, I, Satan knows me better than I know myself. But, Lord God, you know me better than Satan does, and I thank you for that. We ask all of this, that you'd be honored and glorified through us, that we would allow you to be the Lord of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Brother Eric.